Hello and welcome to episode 1084 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, August 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful Friday morning on the West Coast. You already sound better. I know you don't you don't have your contraption yet, right? No, no, I'm still I'm still rolling with but I'm learning how to better pronounce my S's. Yeah, you've so, got I, I can hear it a little bit, but it is mm-hmm. improved. So we're making the right steps here. And you said you'll be able to get your contraption in soon. So good. For those that don't know, Justin had to have some pretty severe mouth surgery and he's uh he's on the mend. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple players on the mend, and then we're going to get into some ice cold hitters and play a little hold or fold. It's going to be league dependent. I understand that, but we're going to talk about where we might cut these guys, if at all. But let's get into some news. And uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is working his way back. He made a triple A rehab start this time out, allowed one run in five innings. Um, he's you know going to be back in the, any moment. Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, for for all the uh ugliness of his era if it wasn't for that start like right before he went on the il he really did look fine i think he was at like 372 era uh with with a good whip and then that last start before he uh left you know was a third of an inning six base runners and and three runs it really kind of pushed things over the edge there for his eight start sample what do you think we can get from eduardo rodriguez down the stretch as he should be back relatively soon I mean, I think we can get probably the best player that's going to be left on the waiver wire uh, rest of the way. So, like, I I think if he's available in any league, you need to pick him up right now uh, and hope that he is kind of the guy he was prior to the injury, prior to going on uh, the personal uh, leave stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I I tried to pick him up in the main last week. Our our good buddy Michael Govier uh, outbid me. Um, cause I, w- I was, it was too cheap, unfortunately. My, my fellow uh, Tigers fan there. What, what, what did he end up putting on? Not uh, much. And that's the part that kills me. Like it was like three or four bucks. I, and I, oh. I, I just put a buck down. Yep. Um, Six bucks. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's a huge bummer for me, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially cause I would expect them to want to try to get, uh, him kind of built back up. So he gets as many innings as he can in this year. So that he way he's five. Just, in the triple A. So I, I think when Eduardo mm-hmm. comes back, he's ready to go for the Tigers. And like I said, 372 ERA, 118 whip before the crummy start that uh, I think it was the IL and then restricted list, or did he go straight to the restricted list? Yeah, he was on a rehab assignment when he was, uh, when he that's, was kind of, that's when he thought. left. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, he, so that injury outing there, I, I don't feel like it's, it's just cherry picking to remove it. A third of an inning, six base runners, three runs. That's not who he was. The first mm-hmm. seven starts, Eduardo was himself. 372 ERA, 119 whip. I think he can be that guy. I'd pick him up in every format right now with the opportunity to really find a starter. And starter wires have been barren across all formats, I feel like. Yeah. And they so have. somebody like Eduardo could be huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, if you look at just the five starts he had prior to that really bad blow up, he had a 319 ERA and a 103 whip. Um, I mean, he's a legit top 30 pitcher rest of the way if he's able to get the innings. You know, it's a good park, good division. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. Let me ask you, who would you prefer, Eduardo Rodriguez or Lance McCullers, who's working his way back and should be back soon? But Rodriguez severe injury, and that's why I prefer Rodriguez too, because yeah. I think McCullers could be more 
built up and he just has a dodgy health profile. So I think they're going to be really careful with him. I mean, and they're not going to go six man. JV's not going to go on a six man. I don't, yeah. think, I don't, I don't think the other veterans want to either, but I think obviously he can kind of dictate things a bit more as, you know, a, a, a hall of famer who's currently playing. Um, let's go to Jared Kelnick. He's demoted because J rod's back. Everyone knew that was coming. Justin, he was terrible again, man. And I know we've talked about him, and I feel like every time we bring him up, it's worse. Um, and the only reason we keep bringing him up is because I feel like things keep changing, which for me is the ceiling keeps lowering. I know prospect growth isn't linear, right? We talk about it all the time. He is just 22. So I'm not hard burying him here and saying it's over. Kelnick will never become anything. However, players do not often – I don't, I don't want to say ever basically recover from 30% strikeout rates to become, you know, like premium hit guys. He might still find some power speed capability, but he has a 31% strikeout rate in his first 500 plate appearances. I'm not sure how much improvement Kelnick's going to have over that. Even in the coming years here um, as a 22 year old, I'm very nervous about the long-term aspect of Kelnick at this point. I've lowered his ceiling substantially. What about you? Where are you at with Kelnick now? Um, I mean, I would disagree in terms of lowering his ceiling. I think the ceiling is still there. It's the floor. I mean, it's clearly. How can it be though? How can you have the same sort of like hit tool potential? Uh, because he was never a strikeout guy like this. I, I, I have to have changed his outcomes um, in, in terms of what I think Kelnick can be because of all this swing and miss that I just don't think he's going to fix. I mean, he struck out a 23.7% rate in the minors this year. It's, it's, this is a, this, this feels like it's mental. It, like, it feels like he has just got some sort of mental barrier when he gets up to the majors he's pressing. I mean, now this, this latest sample was atrocious, right? It was over 40% strikeout rate, no walks. Um, you know, and he walked at an 8% clip in the minor leagues this year um, and has, you know, shown the ability to walk at, at a double-digit rate. Uh, I, you know, he struck out over 40% of the time. Like, I, yeah, I, I know it's been bad, but, I mean, like, if there was ever a buy-low, if there was ever was a buy-low. just about to say. Yeah, it's it's now. Um, I'm not giving him. This is a I'm, real buy-low for Kelnick. I'm not giving up on him. He's 23 years old. Um, and he, I think he just, yeah, just yeah, turned literally three month, not even a month old, old into his age 23. Um, so are you going to go out and buy Kelnick then in your, Absolutely. You, got, you play dynasty, so you can mm-hmm. go out and do it. I'm not, I, I have one dynasty league, so I'm not a big time dynasty, but it, I think that's what we're talking right now with Kelnick. And this is a bylaw. It's ugly. There's nothing there to make mm-hmm. you think. So it's just your belief and the fact that he's only 23 years old, which I can get behind because the, the price should be dirt cheap right now. But again, I have lowered his ceiling. I am worried about the swing and miss. I, I agree with you on a mental block. I'm just not sure he overcomes it. So I do have nerves about Kelnick. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely understand. Like you said, I mean, this is all just, you know, a hope and a prayer. There's not much in the profile, at least that we see in the major league level, that tells you, hey, he can be a star one day. I still think that's in his range of outcomes. The problem is the, the bottom end of that range of outcomes is not a major league player now. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is why you do two <laughs> trade grades. You grade it at the time based on the process and, you know, what mm-hmm. everything looks like. And then you got to grade it down the line. Now, we're not on the second grade yet, but obviously when it first happened, it was like 
LOL Mets, they're the stupidest organization ever. And now we're at the other end of the spectrum where it's like, holy smokes, they actually won this deal by trading a premium mm-hmm. prospect for a closer. And then we'll see where it's at actually after Kelnick, you know, gets five, six uh, years under his belt. And we, we got to see what's going on. So it's still up in the air for that second grade. But uh, the Mets are looking a lot better right now with the Kelnick trade. Let's move over to somebody a bit more exciting uh, on the uh, youth spectrum. And that's Vaughn Grissom. Not related to Marquise. I thought so too um, until I recently <laughs> learned more about him. I, I vaguely knew the name and I assumed it was just Marquise's kid, 100%. Um, until last week when he started to get some buzz, then he's on his way up. And I'm like, okay, I got to learn about this guy. And I fell in love with him instantly, Justin. He went combo meal his first night with a disgusting bat flip. And I'm head over heels for Vaughn Grissom already. I know the immediate counter is what about when Albies gets back? I got I got an answer for that. If Grissom's playing well, and he's probably got about a three-week audition here. Um, all these late September, or I mean, excuse me, uh, late August, early September. I would say early September is when he's going to come back. If Grissom's playing well, I think uh, Rosario Ozuna just becomes a platoon and they can facilitate Grissom and Albies. So I'm not worried from that end. I think Grissom's in all formats get right now just because of how strong he was in the minors and what a game changer he could possibly be. He could be another Michael Harris. He might not be, but I'm picking up Grissom everywhere. What say you? Oh, I mean, I'm going to take the gamble, right? Because, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think it'll be a – I mean, it might, in sharper leagues, you know, leagues like NFBC, obviously it's going to be a little bit more expensive. But, like, in your Yahoo's and your ESPNs, like, people won't pick him up. Like, they just, you know, especially – He's not a big-name prospect. Well, and he was in double A. Like he, yeah. he, he skipped triple A. So, so did Michael Harris, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's awesome to see organizations like the Braves uh, be aggressive like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think you got to pick them up. Um, there's power, there's speed. Um, I agree with you. It, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that the Ozuna, Ozuna and um, Rosario become a platoon. I'd say Rosario just stops playing because he has been dreadful. Um, and uh, uh, and uh, I mean, unless they want him out there for the defense, I think uh, yeah, I, I think it'll still be a platoon. I, I aren't they trying to give him like a real shot with his new eyes and everything? Because he's still adjusting to that. Um, yeah, because remember, but he was some, out at some point, you, some point you gotta like produce. Like, I hear just, you, but it, it's a seven fifteen OPS in August. That's I'm not I'm not banging down a door for a seven fifteen, but that's in the range, you know, a couple of homers and, and Rosario's probably back where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I either way, whether it becomes a platoon or Rosario loses time, there's a path for Grissom and Albies if Grissom is performing. And I think the Braves will stick with him if he's performing. So we take the shot right now. He might be a flash in the pan and it's too soon and he has to go back down. I don't I understand that. I accept that range. I'm getting Grissom everywhere I can. Yeah, yeah. For those that don't know, 14 homers, 27 steals between high A and double A this year for the 21-year-old well, uh, middle infielder. While striking out at a below 15% rate at both of those stops. And taking some decent walks, right? Because he has 36. Uh, uh, he, he walked a lot in high A, did not walk really at all at double A. Okay. okay, so took advantage of the lower level. Once mm-hmm. he got up a little bit, they were like, you know, he wasn't walking as much. But, hey, when you're producing, I'm not as worried about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vaughn Grissom, go get him this weekend. We'll see what's up. I think, again, it's in all formats. You could end up cutting him quickly in a 10 or 12, but the upside is some Michael Harris action again. Uh, mm-hmm. Tim Anderson, 
as finger surgery. Is he an auto cut? We're looking at uh, about six weeks here, right? Got, got I mean, an auto cut. There's only seven weeks left in the season. Nine. Well, we are we are in well eight more after this week yeah oh, okay so still we are, we are in I, 18 uh, or we are in 19 and it goes to 27. okay so, so we have eight more after this week really because that late into october i mean it at least based on nfbc i was looking because i was breaking down the week stuff and it said we have a week 27. and so hmm. that goes to yeah, you know, with, um, the, with the late start, yeah, 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 week, yeah. it does go through uh, October 9th. Well, still, that's that's uh, you know, three quarters of the rest of the season. It's still an um, easy cut for me with Tim Anderson, and, and you don't, and you hope he's back in six weeks. But what happens if, if the White Sox are out of it, which is a reasonable thing to happen at this Absolutely. point in the season? They're just going to shut him down, so like, I I mean, yeah, it, obviously, if you have an open IL spot, he goes in it. But if you don't, like, I, I'm not wasting a bench spot on Tim Anderson. It's been, like, we'll agree. just an awful year for injuries in general. But, I mean, just an awful year for, for Anderson as well. Yep. It's, it's hard to see him go down this way. Just, just a washout. Um, such a fun player to watch. I really, really like Tim Anderson. It's been a tough one. I mean, he hasn't been terrible, but it's been underwhelming for what he can do. Six home runs, 13 steals with a 301 average, but he's only played 79 of the 100 and uh, like 12. And, that, and that's played. it. He, he's been good when he's been on the field. He's had trouble staying on the field. Yeah, and now he's going to miss a massive chunk of the remainder of the season. How do we, how do we like rank him for next year? Because while like you don't necessarily want to call him injury prone, he hits the IL every single year for, for something. I think, yeah, and with the standard that you've set, you have to call him injury prone. I think you do. And that's what I'm bringing I'm, I'm with you on this one, yes, because you're looking at 2019, a buck 23. Um, the 2020 season, who cares? 2021, a, a buck 23 again. This year, 79. Even he comes back, let's give him, I'll give him 15 more games. Who cares? You know, like I'll give him 20 more games if he miraculously comes back early. That would still only be 99. He wouldn't get to 100. So, yeah, that's that's the last three full seasons severely cut. And in the other two, 19 and 21, he put up enough 18 homers, 17 steals in 19. And then he flipped it in 2021 18 steals, 17 homers with excellent average. Uh, great runs scored in a decent amount of ribbies for when he's playing. But, yeah, I think you do have to bring Tim Anderson down because he's consistently gotten hurt. He's going to be 30. Yeah. You have to. Now, will you be there to take the discount? Because I think I think you're right that the the league, the the whole context will move him down. Will you be in to swoop? Um, I won't be opposed to it, but it'll be it's unlikely not, not that I do. Well, the shortstop is so deep, and it's just yeah. you know, I mean, so why take uh, on extra uh, injury risk? Mm -hmm. uh, in my three-sport league uh, that's drafting right now, he was the ninety-second baseball player taken. Wow, that's a fall. That's a fall, yeah. and it's it's merited. It's absolutely merited. Uh, so that's Tim Anderson again. If you have an IL, keep him as long as you can. But we're talking like NFBC where you don't have ILs, or in obviously a lot of leagues where you only have like two, three ILs, mm -hmm. you might have higher priority guys, and Tim Anderson can be an easy cut. All right, let's get into some ice-cold hitters. Just looking over the last uh, two months or so since June 12th, it's not a full two months because of the All-Star break, but it gets the idea done. 
And uh, we're talking about a range of, of players here. So they're not all in a specific league format where they'll cut. And we'll try to specify or not try. We will specify where we're cutting them. Let's start with Jared Walsh, who is a comically bad 38 WRC plus since June 12th. And, you know, obviously things have gone completely south for the Angels, starting with the 14-game losing streak. But Walsh has been pretty bad on the year. 14 homers, 224 average, 83 WRC plus for the season. He's still rostered at 70% of ESPN leagues, 65% of Yahoo. I don't even need to get into the um, NFBC leagues before I realize that those numbers are too high. Why is he that highly rostered uh, at this point with Jared Walsh? Um, I don't know. Uh, I I really, really don't get it, to be honest. I, I don't think you can – I mean, on the plus side, he's, you know, hitting just as well against lefties as he is against <laughs> righties, but that's just because he's hitting so bad against both. Yeah. Um, so, nine, by the way, 93% OC, 98% main event, too. So that's he's crazy. He's heavily rostered here for Jared Walsh, and he sucks this year. I'm sorry, yeah. he's just been bad. And, I mean, and the team context is awful it's around also him. Bad so, too. Like, even when he gets a home run, it's a solo. Like, it should just, not be that rostered in no. any of those four formats. No, I, I mean, uh, at this point, you got to just let him go and move on to whatever's on the waiver wire. Uh, I just There's don't. Got to be something better. Let me just look at the 12 team. I'm in in my OC real quick. Give you some first baseman, uh, Yandy Diaz. I would take him. Yeah, easily. Um, Isak Paredes. I know he's cooled, but uh, I might almost take him. Yeah, because he's playing pretty regularly with the injuries in Tampa Bay. So yeah, I probably would. What about this uh, new guy with Washington? Are you familiar with Joey Mensis? Uh, I'm not. Um, but he's been pretty hot. I think I would ride with him. Finally, uh, journeyman, you know, one of yeah. these like guys, like uh, if people remember the name Mike Hesman. I, I don't know if he has that kind of power down there, but like he's one of those guys who's been around for a while in the minors, grinding, and uh, you know, got his call here, and he's he's making the most of it um, with four homers already in seven games for Joey Mensis. I would take him over Walsh because Walsh is hurting me. I might cut Mensis in two weeks, but I'd rather have him. And Vogelbach is twenty five percent at them. Oh yeah, Vogelbach teams. He, he's playing pretty regularly, and um, did you see his walkout music the other day? No, what was it? He came out to uh, Milkshake. By, oh, uh, yes, I heard about that. I saw it on Twitter. Oh I, did, I didn't see the clip, but I heard about it, and oh, I love that. Yeah, it's fantastic. That. He's oh, such yeah. a fun player. He's such an mm -hmm. unbelievably fun player. Uh, but, yeah, so we're cutting Walsh everywhere right now. Yeah. Here's a guy that I have a disconnect of fantasy versus real life because I really do like – J.P. Crawford and, you know, watching Seattle games like that Yankees won the other day was such a great game in his defense. You see why he's still beloved in Seattle, even though the breakout season that he was having early has come crashing back down. And he's basically matching last year now, which is fine. Uh, but he had a 1023 OPS in April. It's like, is this, is the breakout coming for J.P. Crawford? He hit three homers with that 1023 OPS. He has two homers since and has not eclipsed 676 for a month of OPS, and yet he's 72% at ESPN, which caters to shallow leagues, and 98% in the main event, which is 15-team leagues. So that runs the gamut, and I don't think either of those rates should be that high. You mentioned the depth of shortstop a moment ago. Why is J.P. Crawford still 98% in the main event? 
what's what's he giving people? I mean, I guess everyday playing time because he's such a good defensive player, but um, that he doesn't come out. But I mean, he's actively he's actively hurting you at this point. Like I don't yeah. know, um, you know. There is a guy on this list that I've been starting on my main event, so we'll get to him in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can see some of these names. There's some good names here that we're going to get to. These first mm-hmm. couple are a little bit easier. The decisions are going to get tougher here. So um, let me see real quick. Where does Crawford rank on the year? Yeah, he's 37th at shortstop, Justin. Why is he 98% in the main event? No, and I mean, the thing is, too, um, since beginning of July, he's no longer leading off. He's batting towards the bottom of the order. So on top of sucking, he's also not getting as many plate appearances, which is the only reason you really drafted him was because he was going to be leading off for what was going to be a really, really good team in Seattle. Seattle, I think, is going to be a really, really good team the rest of the way, but he's not leading off. He's hitting seventh, and he doesn't offer power. He doesn't have very much speed uh, in the, you know, from a fantasy sense. Uh, Yeah, I think you just got to let him go. Yeah, it's just not there. And like I said, ESPN, easy cut, but main event, 15 team deep, everything, you know, mm-hmm. a starter like that. I understand you're like, wow, that's tough to cut him. He plays every day. There's no fantasy goodness there for JP Crawford. I don't understand why he is still uh, on so many teams. Let me give you a couple names here. See where you're at. Um, would you keep, would you rather have. Geraldo Perdomo, who has two homers and two steals in the last two weeks. And J.P. Crawford has five homers and three steals on the season, by the way. Uh, Perdomo's probably also hitting like 210. Um, 206, so that's absolutely oh. fair. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know because I've got him in my dynasty league that I'm actively tanking, so I need a player who plays every day, but is, is going to But it's bad, so Perdomo, um, come on down. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I like Perdomo as a uh, you know, long-term, long-term yeah. prospect. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'd probably I – mean, it depends on what you need. Like, if you, like, if you need some 15, power – I'd rather just have him because, I don't know, yeah. again, his two homers and three steals in the last two weeks or whatever I said, I, I forget exactly mm-hmm. what it was, uh, one homer and two steals. That's, all, that's almost as much as JP's done all year. Yeah, so I would rather just take him just to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a ton in this 15 team, so I, I guess I understand it a little bit, seeing more of who's available. Like, yes, shortstop is deep, but that we drafted all of them. I'll tell you what, though. Even though he's been bad in the majors, I'm not out on Jose Barrero. I'd take him over JP. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'd just go for that. All right, that's, J, that's JP Crawford. Eduardo Escobar, he's at a 57 WRC plus the last two months. 59% at ESPN, 41% at Yahoo, 79% in the main event. Again, I think all three numbers should be lower. Why are people holding on to Eduardo Escobar? What's he, he actually, you know what? He's a perfect candidate for your big theory this year about those mid-tier power guys. The squishy ball hurt yep. them the most. He, he was my he biggest fade. Yep. Yeah, he's my he was my biggest fade coming in at uh at third base uh this year. Um and I got some pushback, which I was surprised about, but I was. I, I was, I was from me, to be honest, but you, mm-hmm. you were correct. He's not he's not good this year. I was worried. I was worried about where he's going to hit that lineup, uh, and then you know the park. You know that park was a much more difficult park for him. Um, so yeah, it, I mean it's kind of all come to fruition. He's going to be on the short side of a platoon here. Um, the Mets already talked about that they're going to start platooning him. I said much better against lefties, so I think that's what he's going to be. He's going to hit against lefties. Uh, and sit versus Yay. righties. That's yeah. You can't roster that um, in you know outside of NL only. 
Yep, you said in your comments on your, your second base comments, hate the park and the fact that he will likely hit near the bottom of the order when you ranked him 23rd. So uh, you, you've been out on Eduardo pretty much from the jump. I don't understand these roster rates here. I know he's on a high-quality team, and a lot of times guys just being on great teams, you hang on to them. But some of these shallower formats, I just cannot fathom what Eduardo's giving you to keep him. He's at 220 on the year with 12 homers, zero steals. What are people doing with him still on their team? Now, this next guy... I, I understand why people want to roster him, but he's not even delivering what he's supposed to. And that's Miles Straw. That might might have been the guy you're referring to that you're starting. But he's had a 51 WRC plus over the last two months with just two steals. And Justin, he's only got 13 on the season this year with a 210 average. I'm telling you, this is why I don't draft these clowns, okay? Um, when it goes south, they are unusable. And this is obviously a lower tier outcome for him. Uh, for Miles Straw, he hit 271 last year with 30 steals, 86 runs. 210 this year, 13 steals, 54 runs. Should he even be 87% at the main event and 74% in the OCs? Yeah, this, this is the perfect example of uh, a player that needs to be rostered in every league but doesn't need to be rostered on your team necessarily. So it's really, really team-by-team -team, uh, context. Um if you need stolen bases, and if you drafted Miles Straw thinking you were going to get 30-plus out of him, um, you probably need him, right? Yeah. So you probably got to keep running him out there. Uh, but I completely understand people who have moved on. And, you know, this happened to me in my main event with Cameron, with what player uh, last year. And I just made a decision around this time where I went, why am I even trying to compete in stolen bases? Like I'm so far yeah. behind because my guy that I oh it was um was it Margot or I can't remember who I, I invested in someone. And so I dropped Miles Straw down to the waiver wire, gave someone else like 20 stolen bases the rest of the way, but it wasn't gonna be enough to catch me up to the pack. Exactly. Uh, and so that, that's actually a great jump off to, to promote my article that I wrote yesterday. It's time to start making sharp decisions. And that is a perfect example of the kind of decision I'm talking about. You audited your standings and you saw that, hey, even if he steals a bunch, I can't gain much. And if I cut him, I'm not going to lose much. I could get a power player who might hit six homers the rest of the way. And those six homers would give me four points because of what they do for homers uh, runs and ribbies, whereas straw can't do anything. You need to go through and make those decisions. And a lot of times it ends up where you're either hyper-focusing or punting the saves or steals and you make moves accordingly. And you might end up saying, Hey, I can't compete in saves anymore. So I'm going to cut somebody like Jordan Romano. Do not be afraid to do that. You might've been nervous to cut straw because people are gonna be like, Oh my God, Justin cut straw. Why, why straw on the waiver wire? Who cares if you're making the best teams for your moves for your team to compete don't worry about who you're cutting and what sort of like sour grapes people might have because you put a good player in the waiver wire there's also strategic upside to that too because say you cut a straw somebody spends 48 dollars on them of their remaining you know 65 that's a big chunk and that person is now out of a lot of the bidding so i i think making those sharp moves is difficult but very very adv advantageous to commit to a plan here yeah, I, I think you have to. I mean, you also want to take a look at things like, hey, who has the most fab in your league? If, mm -hmm. if that if that team that has the most fab in your league um, is your main competitor, you may not want to drop something that can help them up in the standings. But exactly. if it's someone who can maybe catch your main competitor, if you're not competitive with stolen bases, but your competitor is and getting strong onto another team can help that team pass your competitor, 
there you go. And you obviously can't go tell that person to pick him up. Right? Yeah, that obviously. is flat out collusion. Mm -hmm. But you cut him and you're just like, okay, Johnny Two Cents, now you need to go pick him up for me. Mm -hmm. There's the plan to work. But you do the best you can. And again, I've talked to people that have had problems you know, with these cuts, with these like jarring names. And I'm like, you can't be worrying about that. If you're making the best moves for your squad, you just got to do what you got to do. And, you know, uh, Rob DiPietro in my league last year cut Logan Webb down the stretch. He was going mm -hmm. for all closers and he was trying to get as many saves as he could. I picked him up and it was actually very helpful for me to seal the uh, seal the deal in that league. So thank you, Rob. And, um, you know, people might make some similar cuts this year to help other people. And I think you need to be very strident about that right now and start making those cuts. So that could include Miles Straw. You might have to give up on steals, or you might have to pivot to steals and cut somebody like one of our next two guys. Let's put them together. Nelson Cruz and JD Martinez both have a 58 WRC plus the last two months. They're widely rostered. JD is 100% across the board. Uh, Nelson Cruz is 76 at the OC, 89% at the main event, 63% at ESPN, and 53% at Yahoo. I think all of those across the board are too high. J.D. Martinez does have a good average this year, but doesn't he have like nine homers? Yeah, he's he, nine homers. In his last his last home run, J.D. Martinez, the last home run, July 10th. He is hitting 276, which is pretty decent, but what should these guys be held right now, J.D. Martinez and Nelson Cruz? Where are you cutting them if you are? J.D. Martinez um, in the second half is hitting 127. Like I said, no home runs. Uh, he has three runs scored and six RBIs. That's uh, horrendous. There's got to be an injury. Like, I just, there has to be an injury. Um, uh, Nelson Cruz may just be cooked. For those yeah, of you who've been screaming from the rooftops for the last 10 years that Nelson Cruz is cooked, uh, you finally got you one, finally right? You finally got it, right? right? And you finally, don't get you know. credit, okay? Yeah, and no. I'm happy to have recommended him all. I, I stand by the recommendation all the way down because even this year there was a discount tied to it. I bought back in. You know what? You know what I'm going to take away from this season, but from Nelson Cruz, the four steals that I got, Justin. That's what I'm. That's what I'm feeling this year is those four steals and his eight homers. But yeah, I think he is. I think he is yeah. not. Uh, Cruz is the guy I've been holding on to him in in a lot of leagues. He's going to be in the waiver wire this week. Um, you know, on top of the fact that he's not hitting, that lineup around him is atrocious. Um, it's, I God, mean, it, yeah. it is legit double a, uh, worthy right now. So, um, uh, Gini Martinez, I've really hard time dropping cause he's been, he was so good in the first half. Um, you have to wonder if there is an injury, I don't have a problem necessarily dropping him. I don't know that I could do it. I could do it. I can definitely do it in a 12 and lower, but in a 15, if the right guy is there, it always always goes back to who's available, right? And I mm -hmm. want to be clear about that with all of these. Don't just cut somebody because you heard our dumbasses saying, like, well, they said cut him to pick up, and I picked up Victor Reyes or some shit. Like, don't do not do that. Don't do that. We're not asking you to pick up dumb, you know, crappy players. But if you see somebody, like, uh, let me ask you this. 15 team, would you pick up J.D. Davis for J.D. Martinez? Um... I would definitely do it for Cruz. I don't know that I'd do it for um, for JD Martinez. Martinez. Okay. The, the only problem is now that Longoria is back, does he play every day? That's fair. And that's, I don't, that's your ball club, so I know you're dialed yeah, in on them. Yeah, I don't know that he does. Um, but I mean, he's endearing himself really quickly to Giants fans. He's been great. Three homers, real quick, yeah. dude. I mm -hmm. still, I still, I know I've been 
attempted to be convinced by some Mets fans why they did well in that deal. I still think they traded for the older version of the guy that they dealt. Yeah, with. I, I uh, well, I love to hear. Defense. I love to hear these arguments because um, I, I don't get it. I usually just get some circular reasoning that's like usually fluff. To be honest, if, if I'm being honest, Mets fans, you haven't really sold me. Uh, I think you traded away the le- younger version of the same player for a crustier version. I, I don't know. They didn't seem yeah. to like JD Mar- JD Davis that much. I hear you on the trepidation cutting JD Martinez because if he if he just needs a little IL stint for ten days and he can come back and crush the rest of the way, maybe. But the one homer since July, I'm, yeah. I'm looking to cut him. To be honest, if I can't yeah. find anybody, I won't cut him. But I'm looking to cut him. Guys available in our main event um, that I would rather have: JJ Bleday, uh, Connor Joe. Yep. Um, Nolan Jones. Uh, what, about, uh, what about Christopher Morrell was cut back into the pool? And he's, yeah. he's, he's moved down to the lineup. Now, he hasn't been playing as well. Let me be clear. Mm-hmm. Is he somebody you'd take a, a shot back on? Um, yeah, because he at least Morrell. has speed, too. So, like, yeah. you're getting some power, some speed, um, you know, on a team that I, I know he hasn't played necessarily every day right now but that team's not good enough to keep him out of the line of if he starts hit again he still played so. four out of the last five he was injured for one of them so yeah four, four out of the last six but one he couldn't play mm-hmm. so christopher morrell did move down in the lineup uh ortega has overtaken him at the number one spot but at least he's playing and if you and this would be one where like okay you realize i gotta go all speed and normally you wouldn't cut christopher or jd martinez for christopher morrell but in this instance it makes some sense because you know JD ain't stealing any bases and Morrell could get you six, seven steals the rest of the he, way type deal. Even a guy like Tyler Naquin, who's in a strong side platoon in New York, he, over the last 14 days, uh, he's in 367 with three home runs and a stolen base. When he gets dialed, yeah. he, he can go for a while too. He could go the rest of the season, Naquin could. If he's healthy, just crushing righties. And they only have one lefty next week. Uh, actually, two. Uh, Freed to open the week, and then maybe possibly David Peterson on a Saturday doubleheader. Other than that, it's all righties for the for the Mets next week for um, uh, Naquin. Uh, shout out to your guy Taron Vavra, who's hitting three seventy since being called up. No and home runs, no stolen bases yet. Fair. But but where's he batting too? Middle he's batting recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, five, he's another five. deep. So deep, deeply guy that could yep. become really interesting. I don't think there's going to be much power to speak of, but I agree. Uh, but the, average speed. And, and playing every day or playing pretty regularly and maybe some speed there too. So mm-hmm. that's JD Martinez and Nelson Cruz. We got Kybert Ruiz uh, and then one more after him. Kybert Ruiz is at a 74 WRC plus uh, the last two months, 98% rostered in the main event, 68 at ESPN, 59 at Yahoo. Now, two catcher formats, I'm not even. Uh, I'm not, I don't even think I'm cutting him in a 10. I'll write it out. Yeah. What about one catcher formats, though, in 12s and less, because and 12s and, and shallower? Because Kybert has only been the 17th catcher this year. He's not hitting for the average that we would hope for. That's his calling card. But he's hitting 246, six homers, five steals. Uh, like I said, that's the 18th catcher. Is he enough to keep in 10 and 12 team one catcher formats, Kybert Ruiz? No, I don't think so. I believe. I, I know. Uh, I know people are going to be really excited by the two home run game the other day, but um, he just does not put the ball in the air uh, enough to power the ball out on a regular basis. I know he's got three home runs in the second half. That's great, but I 
Like if he had another three reps the way, I'd be really surprised. Uh, and while he makes really, really good contact, so much of it's on the ground that, you know, and he's, you know, he's a catcher, he's slow, um, that he's, they're able to just get him out. Like he's not going to outrun things. So until that profile changes, I just don't think he's got the safe floor that you were looking for when Correct. you drafted him. Uh, and at this point, I'd much rather have the upside that, of, you know, God gets hot and can carry me the rest of the way. Absolutely. And, um, you know, let me think of some names here that, I mean, listen, if you're talking ESPN, one catcher formats, uh, MJ Melendez is 30% rostered. That's taking, insanity. I'm taking him all day over. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you who else I'd definitely take Cal Raleigh. Yeah. The, the singles are starting to fall. So his batting average hasn't been as atrocious. It's still low. You're still getting low batting average, but he was hitting my weight for a while. Now he's up over 200, low 200s, but tons of power. I would rather have him. What about uh, Christian Vasquez in Houston or Ruiz? They're about equally rostered at ESPN. 59% for Ruiz, 57% for Vasquez. Who do you like better there? One catcher format. I think I like Vasquez, even though like he's just not playing quite as much as he did in Boston. So, um, yeah, I think I still go Vasquez, though. Upside, you know, you get power, you get uh, a little bit of stolen bases, too, potentially. So William Contreras is only 31% rostered at ESPN, and Kyver is in the 60s. Uh, that I don't understand. That's an easy flip for me. Uh, all right, last one. This one's tough. I'm not I'm not sure I can cut him personally, but I did I want to bring him up cuz he is struggling and he hit that rookie wall. It looks like Jeremy Peña is down to a 60 uh, 75 WRC plus the last 2 months. 64% at Yahoo, 53% at ESPN. So he's already popping up there, but he's 100% at the OC, which is a 12 teamer uh at the NFBC. Is he doing enough to still be rostered at 100% in 12 teamers mm. he, hasn't, he hasn't had an ops over 700 since may oh yeah i i wonder if he's still hurt like he's he's been particularly know. rough let me give you the numbers real quick on pena since the injury return 199 222 344 mm -hmm. six homers which is still a 27 homer pace so the pop is still there but a 226 babip in the 36 games, it's been brutal. And uh, oh. 0 for 2 on the bases. Yeah, I was just about to say 0 for 2 on the bases as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is a guy that is, I think he's still in, it feels like still injured. He's missed like half weeks, um, you know, this year uh, or since returning from the injury. I just think he's trying to play through something uh, or continue to try to play through, through something. Uh, but that being said, in a redraft league, I think it's okay to let him go. Especially if you go get a Grisham, you go get a you know a yes. different middle infielder that makes sense for your team. Obviously, in fifteen team leagues, it's going to be harder to do unless you get Grisham. But yeah, it'd be one of those things where I only put Grisham in the list. Yeah. Uh, or what about? Okay, here's another one. Maybe I would put in the list. What about Nick Gordon? Yeah, he's been playing really, really well. I, I like so. Nick Gordon, I, and I, and he's got the outfield eligibility to go along with it. Yeah. So, so I, I know Pena was such a fun player this year, but I think he's hit. Um, I think I think the injuries are probably bigger than the rookie wall, but either way, it's been a little bit rough. I think he is cuttable in some of the shallower formats. In the deeper, you go for Grisham or uh, Nick Gordon, and maybe that's it. Uh, of the other guys I'm seeing here, I'm not sure there's anybody else I'd really change. Would you do it for Nick Madrigal, who's hitting 400 Ooh. since returning and stole two bases uh, last night? As long as I can afford to to not to have the power. To, to there's the power. zero power. Yeah, zero. there's none. So as yeah. long as I can afford that, if my plan is to tack batting average and tax attack speed, 
I would do that. But if I can't afford the power loss, I, I can't do it. Paying you for uh, Madrigal. Um, what about our boy, your boy, your boy, Taryn Vavra? Would you drop Pena for Vavra? Again, no power, and we yeah. haven't seen the speed yet. We haven't yet. seen the speed yet. I would, though, because, again, we're talking since May that Pena has not had a, a, a quality month, and that's pre-injury, too. There's some of that pre-injury. The rest mm -hmm. of most it's like two third one third split, but yeah, I think I would go with Vava right now. Um, what about Michael Chavez, who is playing every day, hitting three forty four over the last two weeks with two home runs? That one is tough. I've I've backed Chavis this year at multiple times. He does have a corner middle as well, right? Mm -hmm. I believe so. Yeah, twelve homers on the year. Yeah, he's first and second base I mean, eligible. Yeah, because I'm not getting the speed from Pena anyway. So mm -hmm. give me the guy who's performing a bit right now. Again, I'll do that more in 12s, uh, 14 or 15 teamers. I, I, I'm considering it. Yes. All right. Last one. David Fletcher's back off the IL playing every day. And he has two know, homers in the last two weeks somehow. <laughs> yeah, he's got two home runs. It, it, that's a Nick Madrigal situation again. If I can yeah. afford to give up the power, I know he has two homers, but I don't buy it. And uh, he's not going to steal bases. He's he's just a like just average. Yeah, it's just batting average in runs. Yeah, so that's a Nick. I would rather Madrigal. Um, and again, I'd have to be chasing batting average to specifically do Fletcher for Pena. I have a I have a really hard time doing any of this, to be honest. Like I, I understand that. I do understand that. I really do. Because what if it, it is a little Nick, a little Nick with his injury, and he just needs like two, three days off, and he gets back, and he, he pops off for the rest of the year. Pena was amazing to be, start the year. Plus, I want any part of this Astros lineup. I can exactly. Get. Yes, 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 yes. By the way, are you surprised that uh, Mancini isn't playing more? He's not good defensively. DH him. Yeah, they have other guys they were like putting in that DH spot. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm I a don't little really bit surprised. Yeah, um, but maybe this is why they didn't go and get Josh Bell is because they didn't want to like, you know, like Guriel shouldn't be playing at this point. Like I just whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, no. You got to go look at Guriel's numbers. Oh, he's, he's, break he's down. Yeah, yeah, he's got one of those uh, where he has such an anchor at the front end that it's still obscuring the fact that. Huh? That he's back on track, and I and now in August not so much. He's hitting two twelve, but go look at his July, and uh, even even his June was fine. Two forty one average is not knocking your socks off. Mm. He had a two forty seven Babbitt. I think since June, uh, Guriel's been fine. Yeah, I mean two forty seven in the second half, no home runs. Um, five stolen bases in the second. What that, the dude, that's the crazy part. Yeah, since June 1st, four homers, six steals. You said none of the homers in the second half, but 257 he, average. He has as many stolen bases as he has RBIs in the second half. Five. That That's – I don't understand that. If you had asked me that as like a final Jeopardy question, I would never get it. That's going to win somebody a league too, and I love yeah. it. I love stuff mm -hmm. like that. I really, really do. But yeah, so you know, I understand why they're sticking with him, though. He's a guy that they have proven track record from, so they're trying to keep him in. But I thought there's an, a way to play Alvarez, Guriel, and Mancini every day, but they're just not doing that. And I understand that too. Is like they're kind of coasting. They have an 11 game lead. The Mariners are almost certainly not going to catch them, so they're going to mix in Dubon and McCormick 
and Aledmus Diaz very consistently. And that's just going to cost Mancini here and there. And even Alvarez sat out against the lefty yesterday, get a chance to get him off his feet, and Gurriel's going to catch a game. So while I am very excited about Mancini being there, and I, I did suggest that uh, you know he could have one of those runs where he hits like 20 over the fr- from the deadline on, uh, I don't think he can do that if he's not playing every day. He does have three already with them, though. I think, I mean, part of the problem is, like I said, he's so bad defensively. Um he has not played the outfield since uh, since coming over, and they don't want Alvarez playing the outfield. They want, you know, the Alvarez's knee issue, long-term knee issues. I think they're just very careful. So, like, See, I, I thought they got him because so, he could play the outfield. I thought that's why I, they lost Mancini. But he, he hasn't yet. No, he so, hasn't. I mean, You're exactly right. You're exactly you right. Know, I, I think um, I'm surprised, but I'm also – I understand why. Uh, like he, he's so bad defensively that they're not willing to put him out there. And uh, Alvarez, they want him to DH pretty close to exclusively. So, and, and I uh, think they can just afford to kind of maneuver Meander along. Like they're to, not pressured. To me, though, then why trade for Mancini? Like that, I don't because the, the depth is worth it. And what if Alvarez is hurt? But they could have traded for an outfielder. Like I just, you know, they could have traded for Michael Taylor. I thought they were still going to. I thought yeah. they should have. I predicted that mm-hmm. exact thing on the deadline show. I was like, well, now they should get him uh, for Jake Myers. You know, not not in a trade for Jake Myers, but to replace Jake Myers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought that would have been a great fit for them. But they like Dubon and McCormick and all that. So, but I think I think you're right. They are coasting. Yeah. And that, I think part of it is like, hey, we've got him. We got Mancini for the playoffs to hit some key homers. He's depth. We're fine with what we got. Mm-hmm. I thought they got him because of infield, outfield, and that way he could play some left field, but he, they have not put him out there. That is the right left field to put him in, though, is in minute mm-hmm. eight. Like, that's one where you can hide a bad defender. So, anyway, that's going to wrap us up. Jared Wallace, J.P. Crawford, Eduardo Escobar, Miles Straw, Nelson Cruz, J.D. Martinez, Kiebert Ruiz, and Jeremy Payne. You need to start considering cutting those guys in some leagues. Bottom line, stay diligent. That was the main point of my article. I even said it at the end. I just spent 1,200 words basically telling you guys to stay diligent because while there is a lot of time left to still make substantial moves in your league, the time for just kind of acquiring the best talent available and letting it play out is done. You have mm-hmm. to start attacking your standings, especially if you're in the bottom half. You have nothing to lose. What do you What do you care if you finish 8th versus 15th? If you're in 8th, find a way to try to get in the money and if it happens to blow up in your face and you finish 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, who gives a shit? It's yeah. no better than eight. It does not matter. Go for broke. Figure out the best ways to gain the most points. And let's bring home some titles, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to bring home a title in doubt. So, You guys uh, uh, you guys going on Sunday, you and Jason? Uh, I got to check with him. I'm available. Uh, I, I haven't been available the last couple of weeks just because of the mouth and everything like yeah. that. But hopefully we'll... Uh, for sure, in two weeks, uh, I will be doing a Sunday episode because we are going to have Ray Murphy of Baseball HQ to talk about First Pitch Arizona, yes. uh, which uh, I think the the next kind of registration deadline to get a discount is August 28th. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You and I will both be there. Jason will be there as well. Uh, it's it's a blast. If you've never been... Home run derby this year, by the way. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. And it's within the park is within walking distance of the hotel we all stay yes. at. So like, uh, it's it's going to be fantastic. 
I, I absolutely can't wait. Uh, I think the wife is going to come again. I think that um, is too. So they can link up so. again and have, have themselves a grand old time. It's amazing. Look, and if you can afford it, do everything you can to get there. Absolutely. November 3rd through the 6th, come hang out with Fantasy Baseball folks. Talk baseball. It's a great, like, I, I, it's like, um, you know, what squirrels like hoarding for the winter. It's like I hoard my last, you know, big dose of baseball before the winter and mm -hmm. take in all that sun from Arizona and hanging out with all y'all and just carry that through the winter. And it's the best. So if you can do it, baseballhq.com uh, slash first dash pitch dash Arizona, check it out. They have a special room rate on that page. Uh, and if you have any questions about it, just ask us. We'll answer any questions. If you any thing that you're like, I, I want to do it, but this, ask us. We'll get you in the right answer if we don't have the answer ourselves. But we love it. We go every year. I've been going for like 15 years. Jason been going for 20. You got to be coming up. On this will be my third time going because of COVID. I was, was going to say fourth yeah. or fifth, but uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about COVID. It cut you a couple times. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you'll talk to Ray. We'll get more details on it, but I can't wait, man. Anyway, have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.